Welcome to the EAT Podcast. It's episode number nine. I'm your host, Jerry. Tonight, uh, Russ is not going to be with us. It's going to be a special one-on-one interview with the managing attorney from Blake Harris Law, Blake Harris himself. Blake has uh, become quite the TikTok sensation with over 162,000 followers, and that number is growing daily. Blake Harris Law has offices in a variety of states across the country, and all info about Blake and the law firm can be found at blakeharrislaw.com, or you can give him a call at 833-ASK-BLAKE. Welcome to the EAT Podcast, Blake Harris. How Jerry, are you, buddy? Jerry, I don't know how it could be any better. It's great to be on the show. Great to be on the uh, podcast. Uh, this is great. I'm, I'm very excited for this. So uh, real quick, true story, just so you know, um, somebody reached out to you, one of our listeners, Okay. And they emailed you and said, hey, Blake, I follow the show and they talk about stocks. They talk about sports. They're into crypto and some other stuff. And I think you would be a great fit. And you emailed one of our listeners back and said, hey, I'm interested. Here's my info. And that person took that email and sent it to the EAT podcast email account. And when I opened it, I went, okay, who is this guy? I never heard of Blake Harris before. I'm, <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. And I started researching, I started Googling, and I went, holy cow, this guy has a massive following. I had to create a TikTok page because I'm not on it. And now I started watching your videos for the past few weeks. And I got to say, the amount of info that you put out, the amount of information and education and questions that come up from these videos, it's, it's unbelievable. So I sent you an email and bing bang boom here we go you accepted and we're ready to go so i want to just say thank you for coming on and welcome to the show and thank you to that angel of a follower for bringing our universities together oh absolutely (laughs) so let me ask you off off the bat where did you grow up and was law the idea of being a lawyer in the family or was that something that as you grew up and went through school you decided you wanted to be involved in so uh, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I went to undergraduate in law school at the University of Florida Gators. Then I moved out to Colorado. I spent about a decade out there, which is where I started my started my law firm. And then just uh, earlier this year, moved to back to Florida. I now live in Miami, Florida, Miami Beach, Miami Beach, Florida. Um, and uh, growing up, I actually wanted to work in finance for a lot of my a lot of my life. I visited New York and gone to, on the New York Stock Exchange a couple of times as a kid, and nothing seemed cooler than than, than working in, in the money. But uh, as I was finishing up my um, as I was finishing up college, getting a degree in finance, I was sat down by a member or two of my family and said, "Blake, you're allowed to pursue any career you want, but if you want to continue to come back to Thanksgiving and be welcome to this family, you have to get a law degree." And so I, <laughs> so I started over for a while, and, uh, and I, I, gave, I gave into, into the, into the uh, encouragement of, of being an attorney, which uh, um, for you know for the first year or so of law school, I really wasn't sure what I was doing there, um, other than have, having a good time. Um, but I ended up really finding that that I liked it and that it has been a great a, a great career for me. So I have to uh, thank and, and blame some family influences for getting me getting me into the into the practice of, of law. And and how long now have you been practicing law since from the get go? So I've been an attorney over for for over a decade. Um, okay. I, I started out working for a uh, another estate 
planning estate and trust law firm in Boulder, in Boulder, Colorado. Shortly thereafter, I started I started my law firm, and I've had my own law firm for about eight years now. Okay, and you guys have offices in several states and cities. Um, can you tell us where they are? I mean, I've seen I've seen New York, I've seen Chicago, Miami, San Francisco, Denver, Boston. Is there anything else I'm missing? You got it. Um, Those are where our offices are. For certain matters, we can help people all across the United States or all all throughout the world. For certain matters, we would need to partner with local local counsel. Um, But uh, our primary office, majority of our our team is based in the Denver area. We do have attorneys in several several other other states. Um, I spend most of my time here in Miami. I do spend some time bouncing back and forth between our between our various offices, and uh, we service clients worldwide. One thing that I really love about my job is that um, I get to interact with so many people from different places, different places in the world, from the Cook Islands to Switzerland to Nevis. To I was just on call last week with a team out in Dubai who want to do some trust-based business. Um, so. Um, our team is kind of spread out across the across the United States. We service and we service people throughout the world, and uh, that kind of keeps me on the toes, which is the way I like it. So, anybody who just heard me list off the the six or so places that you guys are based out of, that doesn't exclude you, as you just stated, from anywhere else in the world. You guys are worldwide. You will do things across the country and across the world. It might not be exactly your law firm, but you do have relationships in place with other people and firms that will handle something on your behalf if you can't exactly do something there for them? Exactly. Exactly. For certain matters, we can handle it in-house. Other matters, we will partner with somebody local to the client. And then for other matters, we can we will at least try to refer you to somebody who can help you. Okay. Um, so TikTok. Um, TikTok is, is unbelievable. And since we first started, since I first started watching you on TikTok, and I, I created a TikTok page for the EAT podcast. I follow you. That's it. I think I, I follow you, and I, I don't see anybody else on TikTok. I'm not interested in it. I understand it's a, it's a big thing and it's growing, and I guess I'm going to have to get involved in it. But when we first started emailing back and forth, I would say the follower count was about fifty or sixty thousand, and roughly in I guess what three weeks or so since we started going back and forth in the emails. That number is now about 163,000, which is absolutely amazing to me that people on TikTok are following you, taking your advice and, and listening. It's not something I would think or the outside person, the younger person would do. It's, it's geared towards the younger person is what I'm saying from, from my perspective. What made you get into TikTok and doing the videos and what, where did the bell and the light go on? And you go, oh, I got to do this. These videos are 30 seconds a minute whatever they are, and I'm going to get my point across, and it's going to drive people to me and get some information out. What was the, the process and the theory behind TikTok? Sure, sure. So um, I've had my own law firm for eight years, as I mentioned, and we've done a various bit of marketing. I've done a lot of continuing education classes that I've taught. I have um, presented at uh, lots of different events and, co- and conferences. Um, I've even had radio show hosts call to ask me questions about a state and tr- trust t- type of work. Um, and uh, yes, TikTok, it has the reputation of being for the younger for the, being the younger generation or a lot of people just dancing and doing pranks and, and, <laughs> and, and, and goofy stuff, goofy stuff on there. Um, yep. But I decided about two months ago, and I've, I've been on TikTok for I think less than, less than two months that I've been producing content. I decided to get on on TikTok for uh, two reasons. 
Um, one, because I was hopeful that it would generate some business for my, uh, generate some, help me find some clients for, for my business, but also I thought it'd be fun. And I figured if uh, it doesn't generate me any business, at least it will be fun. And you can't really fail something you're having, you're having fun with. So um, I think that uh, it kind of comes through to the people who follow me, to the people who, who, watch, the, who, watch, my, who watch the videos, um, that it's something different than a kind of st- stuffy attorney in a suit in, in a law office. I'm uh, casual. I, uh, do bl- I, I do share a lot of very valuable information on my TikTok channel, but I also um, weave in some humor and, and some aspects oh, of yeah. making- like a, a real a real person um and i think that uh, people value that authentic side of my channel i i think that uh the, the comedy and and the wit that's in, behind it I, I notice when you're doing that and then i notice when you're serious talking about the the trust and the will and listen i'm going to get into that in a second but everybody from from watching your videos everybody should at least contemplate the idea and make a phone call to you that setting up a will and setting up a trust, if you have assets, is a must-do. I mean, it, from from the outside perspective, both of them need to be discussed with you. Correct? Well, J- J- Jerry, I, uh, I I'll bring you on as a marketing rep, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I certainly I certainly believe in the power of the work at work I do, and I've met with families who lacked planning or had poor, poor planning, and it ends up becoming very costly for the family. It takes a lot of time to uh, administer a poorly drafted estate plan, and in some unfortunate circumstances, there can be fighting that breaks out among family members because there's an unclear in, as to the grantor, as to the grantor's intentions. Also, um, people who we help can help protect loss against against lawsuits. Some of, some of them contact us in time that we can set up a trust that will keep them safe from uh, being having their assets seized. Others of them, unfortunately, contact us too late. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of the cure, and this is certainly true when it comes to estate planning and asset protection. Okay, you like I like I said, I, I can't say it enough. Your your videos are amazing, and to the regular guy like myself, the minute someone hears set up a trust, even the offshore trust idea to avoid assets being taken when you're sued, the the Ordinary guy like me has a house, has a couple of bucks in the bank, might not own a business, might not have investment properties or rental income, might not have stocks and bonds and crypto and everything else. The minute somebody says, in my perspective, hey, set up a trust, I feel like a certain type of person is alienated. But you don't make it seem like that when you do your videos. The the trust topic for you, when you describe it, seems like it's for the person who has a $100,000 home and a little bit of money in the bank. And it's also for the same person that has a million dollars in the bank and has a $5 million home on the beach. So is that correct? The the trust idea and setting up something with you is for everybody. It's not just for the well-off, so to speak, correct? Well, uh, first of all, Jerry, from what I've uh, put together about you, I don't think you're a very ordinary guy by any means. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But in terms of of the clientele we work with, um, there's – two categories. And if you go onto our website, we have in a special section of estate planning for clients who have over $10 million, but we also service lots of clients who have under 10, under $10 million. And um, I want to, and I, and I want to help as many people, as many people as, as possible. Um, we definitely have the sophistication, the, the, the team, the expertise to handle very complex matters that include setting up 
tax planning tr trust that includes setting up international international tr tr trust. But we also do a lot of basic estate planning for more regular people, as you, you refer to it, who simply they want to make sure that their assets stay out of probate. Anybody who owns a home should be or should be aware that their estate could end up going through probate, which is an expensive and time-consuming government process that by setting up a revocable trust, you can you can avoid and ninety Five percent of the time, that's a made-up statistic. But ninety-five percent of the time, or ninety-nine percent, if I'm going to make up the statistics, I'll make them better for me. Ninety-nine percent <laughs> of the time, the uh, trust is going to cost a lot less than the cost of going through probate, and not to mention uh, probate. It's probate is uh, going to uh, skipping probate is going to save your family a lot of time, a lot of headache, potentially a, potentially a family a family fight. And anybody who has children. Uh, who has who has minor children? You want to be sure to name a, name a guardian. We all have family members who we prefer take care of our children if we are not able to raise our children ourselves. And a lot of us have family members who we don't want to take care of our ch children if something were to, were, were, to were to happen to us. So pretty much anybody can be put in a better position than they are right right right, right now. Whether you've got a hundred thousand dollar net worth or a hundred million dollar net worth, would. Would you say that some advice that you would give some people with with money or not even with money, just in general, to not have the people who are taking care of your children to then as well handle the money if something were to happen to you and a spouse? So that's a very good, very good question. So there's the trustee, the one who manages the money, and then there's the guardian, the one who raised who raises your children. Correct. I would say, I don't, uh, I don't push my clients in one direction or the other. I explain to them the pros and the cons of doing it, of doing it both, both ways. The benefit of having a separate trustee and a separate guardian is this is the situation that you passed away, your child has lost, lost their parents. By having a separate trustee and a separate guardian, you have two separate adults or two separate couples that are vested in the well-being of your children. It's more adults you can have in your children's life. It takes, it takes a village to raise a child. Having multiple people involved in your children's life has an intangible benefit benefit to it. So, and plus having separate trustee and beneficiary also serves kind of as a system of checks and balance where the trustee can keep an eye on the guardian and the guardian can keep an eye on, on the tr trustee. So for that reason, I think it's wise often to have a separate trustee and guardian. Now, in the other situ situation, um, if you are the guardian, you probably will also want to be the, be the trustee, and it does make things, things things simpler. So if you have a guardian who is going to do a great job raising your children, but maybe they're not very uh, responsible when it comes to managing finances, don't make them your trustee. On the other hand, if you have a guardian who you're very comfortable with how they would manage your money, then you can have your guardian serve, serve as your trustee, provided you, 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 tr you trust that person. I would say my clients, it's Roughly 50-50, uh, the number of people who do separate guardian and trustee versus the people who use the same guardian and trustee. Okay. Um, watching your videos, I learned that 401ks are protected from lawsuits until you, would start, until you start withdrawing money from them. But there are some exceptions with alimony and child support, to name a few. Um, now, I have a 401k myself, and so does my wife and some of our friends do. Would you suggest that everybody maxes out a 401k if they have the opportunity available to them and why? So um, not necessarily. Um, okay. 
I mean, so so yes, IRAs, 401ks, qualified retirement plans do have some level of protection. And generally, my advice to clients is to go ahead and keep those in place and we'll set up a Cook Islands Trust or Titanium Asset Protection Trust for the purposes of shielding those other assets from, from lawsuits. In certain cases, and I'm, we'll get to your question in a second, what I will have the clients do is convert the 401k into an IRA, which then through the use of an offshore structure, we can give it farther, farther pr protection, farther than the statutory protections that are already given to those to those plans. Um, what I necessarily recommending max, maxing it out, well, I'm going to remind the listeners that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an attorney. I uh, give legal advice for, for a career. I don't necessarily give finan financial advice. That's something that more I'd steer you to a financial advisor, which I'm sure you've worked with other financial advisors before that you could recommend. Yep. You could recommend to recommend to recommend to listeners. Um, I mean, it uh, it does it, but just to kind of give my opinion, it does it does give some tax savings, and it depends on how much uh, money a client is making. Sure, if they're making two million dollars a year, go ahead and max out your four hundred one k, max out your IRA, max out any savings savings plans you can. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, it may make more sense to pay down some debt or to invest in a side business. Um, so not, not necessarily is, is, is the best answer I can give you. Okay. Jerry. Okay. Um, possible tax code changes about unrealized capital gains. How much of a reality is that? And if that were to happen, what advice do you have for people? Okay, so uh, this was you may have seen this on one of on, on one of my videos because it really struck my interest, but I don't think it's going to help to you. Um, it would be uh, I'm not going to say catastrophic because quite frankly, change in the tax code is good for attorneys. It's good for CP. It's good. It's good for it's good for CP, CPAs. But it would be very it would be it would be very messy. I mean, to think that each year that you're hodling your crypto currency um you have to pay you basically have to sell a portion of that to pay your pay your capital capital gains taxes each year i mean would that would that apply to real estate your real estate home home prices you have to um i mean it, people would be strapped strapped for strapped for liquidity it would um it would, it would it would change things it would help bring in some revenue which i suppose the government could 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 use more of um, but do I think it's do I think it's realistic? No, I don't. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's very real, realistic. I don't, I don't see that being discussed. What I did think was going to happen, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore, is a change to the estate tax estate tax exemption. I was uh, pretty well geared up to see the estate tax exemption drop from eleven million dollars per individual down to four million dollars per individual. But that's not even part of, uh, being discussed with the Americans Family Plan at this point at this point anymore. So. Um, no, I don't see either of those as possible changes. I do um, believe there's going to be an elimination of step-up in basis at death, which is going to have some effects on how estate plans are done. It ultimately means for families with uh, under $5 million that now they're going to have not directly, but indirectly in a state in a state tax. Whereas we thought the wealthy, the five million dollar plus families were going to be paying more in taxes. Um, they're not being hit with any special taxes, but families under five million dollars and across the board are now having to indirectly pay pay an estate tax. So um, that's I mean th that, that's kind of my analysis of likely changes in the tax code. 
So you you don't expect much to happen in the next three years, roughly. I mean, there could be a change to a here, change or two here or there, but you don't expect drastic change like doomsday scenario where everyone should all of a sudden sell everything they have and be afraid that the capital gains is going to wreck their investments. So basically. I do expect capital gains to go up some. I do would not be surprised if income tax 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 went up same same. And the elimination of step up in basis is going to is going to have is going to have some effect. Um, I don't see any catastrophic taxes being. <laughs> taxes being being passed. I know that the current tax code, when it got proposed, did cause the crypto market to take a pretty a pretty big hit. The stock market, where there's a bit more old school money, and they have a better thumb of what's going on with Congress, the likely outcome of what Congress is doing. They have um, they they did not react nearly as much to the proposed uh, stringent tax code that were being proposed. So they'll. The, Yes, I imagine taxes will go up. Will, will, will the rising taxes be catastrophic? No, there's other catastrophic things that may, may happen, but I don't see the taxes being the uh, real issue. Okay. Uh, opportunity zones. Now, we have a question from the chat that I'm going to address in one second, but I'm going to ask my question first. I had no idea what an opportunity zone was. I had no idea it existed until I saw a video of yours on TikTok, and I actually had to Google it and go, okay, now I kind of have an idea what this is. But whether you buy a house and sell it for profit or a stock for profit, you're going to take a capital gains hit, basically, from what I'm learning from you. And to avoid that capital gains hit, you want to invest in an opportunity zone that will defer the capital gains based on how long you're invested in that opportunity zone. How does somebody, the regular guy, go about finding these opportunity zones and getting invested in them? And what should they look out for? In them. So, so, uh, so contact me or contact or contact another financial ad advisor. I'm not a financial advisor, but I have met with financial advisors who actually, since I've been on TikTok, come to me and said, "Hey, we can help your help your clients. If anyone listening is in the business of locating qualified opportunity fun funds, let me." Let me know. I've got a lot of demand pent up for for that. Just as I have pent up demand for being able to purchase crypto inside of, inside of an IRA, I do work with a custodian that can help. Or I, I know there's a custodian that can help help with that. Qualified opportunity zones are one of the ways of reducing capital capital gains taxes, regardless of whether it's from a crypto in, investment or, real, or or a real estate investment. What's strange about qualified opportunity zones is. Um, I mean, it's kind of the way the government does a lot of things. They say it's one thing, it's, it's uh, economically distressed areas, but really a, a quality, qualified opportunity zone could just be any time that the government uh, through a lobbyist is told, we're going to deem this area a qualified opportunity zone, even if it's not actually distressed distressed community. So in theory, it's supposed to be helping to develop distressed communities. It's re it's really wherever the uh, lobbies tell the politicians that we're going to deem something a qualified opp opportunity zone. So um, they can be a little bit tricky. They can be a little bit tricky to tricky to find. But um, if you talk to enough financial ad advisors, if you speak with um, other attorneys who help plan for capital, capital gains uh, re reductions, um, there are people out there who we can put you in touch with and you can invest in these, in these funds. Somebody on the chat is asking that they would like to know the difference between opportunity zones versus a 1031 exchange. Okay, so a 1031 exchange is a like-kind ex ex exchange. So if you buy... If you sell a piece of real estate and then purchase another piece of real estate, then you can avoid paying capital gains taxes 
when you purchase that second piece of real estate or when you sell that first piece of real estate, provided you roll it into a new in, in investment within, I believe, something like 90 days, or maybe you have 90 days to identify it, then another 90 days to make the make the purchase. I'm not exactly sure on, on the on the number of days, but but basically you can change what type of investment you have. You can change an investment as long as it is a like kind. And again, this is the IRS, the government defining what is what is a like kind. So if you change from one piece of real estate to another piece of real estate, the government considers that like kind. Now, if you change from one cryptocurrency to another cryptocurrency, the government says, no, that's a totally different type of invest investment. And you cannot do, do a 1030, 1031 ex exchange. So 1031 exchanges are um, when you change what asset you're invested in, whereas a qualified opportunity zone is a completely different thing that merely is um, a fund that invests in a certain, in, in a, in a certain, certain type of investment. So you, you have to really pick one course, one course or, or the other, or I mean, you could split your money and have some going to a 1031 exchange and some going to a qualified opportunity zone, but you're not going to do a 1031 exchange into a qualified opportunity zone. That's not kosher. Gotcha. So cryptocurrency, there was a report over the weekend that DeFi 100 coin, their website posted a message saying, basically we scammed you guys and we took off with $32 million in funds. And it was later determined that that was a site hack and it's not real from what I'm reading. And it just brings up this question for me. And you're involved. I've seen you put out videos on Bitcoin and Doge and some other things. How does the idea of a scam exit someone's mind when you see something like this happen? And the idea of crypto being a scam, unless some celebrity voice like Elon, Chamath, Mark Cuban, Dave Portnoy being behind it. How do you look at these people and the influencers behind it? And should anyone only invest in something that a big person is pushing? Or are there other legit cryptos that you're okay with that you don't hear that much about? Okay, so um, there's only two cryptos that I've bought any sizable amounts of. Uh, um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, Again, I'm not I'm not making investment recommendations, but I am very bullish on bullish on both of them. I posted a video that uh, I think Bitcoin could get to a million dollars per coin if you compare it to the market capitalization of other major currencies, not if you compare it to the market cap of Microsoft or Tet or, or 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 Tesla. And I think Ethereum has the power to go on go on beyond even the size of the size of Bitcoin. And these in a prediction of the coin getting to of Bitcoin getting to $10 million per, per coin is more of a 10-year 10 10 year prediction. Definitely not something that, that I could possibly see happening in the next two years. Um, so with that with that being said, there are other coins that will outperform Bitcoin, that will outperform Ethereum. And if you really want to uh, want to dive into that, you can research it, you can, you can, you can, st you can study it. Um, there's no really insider information issue with cryptocurrency the way there is with, with, with being in the stock market. So if you can find out good information about a potential coin, you can get much better returns than, than Bitcoin and, and, and Ethereum. Um, I would say possibly look into investing in crypto hedge funds. These people spend all their time researching uh, researching coins and you want to make sure that whatever the next Bitcoin is, you, you are exposed to. As far as what the celebrity, celebrities are, are saying, I mean, anybody who gets too, too big, I'm very skeptical of. Um, the, the Pope recently tweeted something about moving away from technology that uh, burns too burns too much 
energy. We saw headlines that China bans cryptocurrency. We saw the same headline last year. We saw the same headline the year before that. And we're going to see it, see it again, see it again ne next year. I would not follow the uh, super celebrity influ influencers. I think there are good crypto influencers out there worth worth paying attention to who. Shoots, who shoots straight, um, but I think Elon, he's not going to invest in uh, Bitcoin because it's not eco-friendly. Was the biggest uh, lie that? Well, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go to say it's the biggest lie he's ever told. But it was clear. It, it, it was it was nonsense. It, I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be cut. <laughs> cursing on your podcast, but it, it was complete nonsense. We knew about the environmental effects of, of, of Bitcoin. Yes, Bitcoin does consume a bit of energy, but if you compare it to fiat money and what it costs to running the, the banking system, Bitcoin is the green alternative. Green alternative. Elon was intimidated into saying what he what he what he said, and so um, I think he's lost a lot of I think he's lost a lot, lot of credibility by coming out against Bitcoin a month after he bought into it and, and, start, and started pushing it. And I imagine at some point Tesla will flip once whoever is overpowering Elon um, allows him to allows him to do that uh, allows him to accept accept Bitcoin again. So I wouldn't too worry too much about what the celebrity influencers say. The super slow. You posted a message on TikTok a video that your firm is accepting Dogecoin. Uh, is that still happening? And is that has that been a successful thing for you guys? Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll acknowledge I've been told that I'm good at marketing, and it was something <laughs> to, uh, to, to 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 catch to catch on to onto the market. I have um, we have been paid in various cryptocurrencies. We've been paid in Bitcoin. We've been paid in, in, in Ethereum. Um, we we have not yet been paid paid in Doge, but um, it's still a liquid a liquid currency that we would be willing to accept. Okay. And I know you're not a financial guy, but I just we we do have CEOs of companies on our show, and we we do talk stocks, whether it's OTC, Nasdaq, Dow. We do we do dabble, and I'm just curious on your your personal, if you can get personal for a second, what stocks do you own? If you could you know tell us, or what stocks do you love that you think is something that's going to be big that might not be as big now, like the Apples and the Teslas and something. Do you have a little a secret for us that you could tell us that would be something you're invested in or looking to invest in? You know, um, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the personal, the personal questions. But as far as my stock portfolio is concerned, it's nothing that I really get too get too excited about. We've got um, a retirement plan set up, where uh, some of it's managed by a financial financial advisor. But I think the mo more exciting investments are definitely in the cryptocurrency. But even more more than cryptocurrency, if you're looking for an investment opportunity, and I mentioned this in some of my TikTok videos. The best investment you can probably make is in, is in yourself, and I invest heavily back and in, back into my back into my business. Um, for the age of our, our firm, the business does a lot does a lot of revenue. I'm constantly pouring it back into making our law firm the best it can be. I hire what I believe are some of the best attorneys. I make sure that our clients are having the best experience. I spend a lot of money talking to experts in the in the in the industry about uh, ways to better put our clients in a better position about how to get our get our brand get our brand out out there about how to about just gaining information that you're not going to be able to find just by just by reading online so there's quite a few different ways ways of investing beyond the stock market where I think you can get better better returns um, and I think the best investment you can make is is, is in yourself so nothing nothing real sexy on the stock market side to add. Okay. 
So my last question for you, um, is this, your business is getting big, it's, it's growing. And is there something that you guys don't offer that you're looking to get involved in and bring some people in and expand the business with? Um, so is there something that we don't offer that we're looking to expand our business in? So uh, as far as what our firm does, we, we do estate planning, we do asset protection, which is in part offshore trust. We do business planning, startups, venture, venture capital, pr private equity, fund, fund formation, hedge, hedge fund for formation, as well as various different, different types of cryptocurrency work from initial coin offerings to SEC rate regulation. Um, if uh, the team, the team is, is growing and if you're looking to uh, join a Law, law firm, feel free to shoot me a resume, Blake at BlakeHarrisLaw.com. Um, is there any particular area that we are wanting to get into that, that, we're, that we're not in? Um, one thing that I would discuss a little, little bit with uh, one of my partners, with, with my business partner that I think would be kind of in interesting, um, and you know, I, I hadn't really uh, dug too into this, but uh, just because it's kind of cool and fun would be uh, getting to uh, crypto lobbying, Bitcoin lo lo lobbying. I just posted a video today talking about how uh, Bitcoin's not going to be go go going anywhere because there's people who hold so much Bitcoin, which can be say said the same is true, for example, for the tobacco industry. Some people hate cigarettes and think we could get rid of cigarettes, but cigarettes make so much money that it's not going anywhere. The same should be and is true for cryptocurrency as well. I'd love to serve as the liaison between some wealthy individuals and the and the government and helping to ensure that cryptocurrency is not only stays, but stays in a way that is uh, uh, pro profitable and, and regulated properly, regulated in a way that encourages growth in the industry. Uh, crypto is not just a good investment. It's a very useful tool. Um, I mean, if, if you brought up the idea 20 years ago, 25 years ago, being able to do international transactions uh, without the need for a bank and do them almost instantaneously, people would have thought you were from a different planet. So um, it's definitely something that uh, it's so uh, th that's that's something that I think would that I think would be fun. And, you know, it's like I said, with, when I started TikTok, it's a lot of what drives drive my, my decisions am, am, am i going to enjoy this is, is this going to be fun is this something i add value for, for a client so that's something that uh maybe at some point my firm will explore explore more okay blake i want to thank you for coming on the show you are by far the biggest as far as in terms of a following the biggest guest we've had in the nine episodes that we've done and i want to thank you for coming on thank you for the advice you've given us thank you for everything um, you can find Blake on TikTok at Blake Harris Law. You can find his website at BlakeHarrisLaw.com. And if you want to call Blake with any questions or need any advice, you can call him at 833-ASK-BLAKE. Blake Harris, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Jerry, thank you. This has been a, lo this has been a lot of fun. Please stay in touch. Thank you very much, Blake. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Blake Harris, by far the biggest guest we've had on the show over 160,000 TikTok followers uh I want to thank the listener that reached out to Blake and reached out to me to get this uh going because it uh it worked out unbelievably Blake's videos are definitely something on TikTok you have to check out if you're not following him he gives great advice and it's not just for someone who's rich like you heard him say here it's for the regular guy just like me just like you it's, it's definitely someone to uh, follow. And if you're not on TikTok, get on there and follow him because it's definitely worth it. 
All right, now we're going to discuss sports for a few minutes. Um, I just want to get to the Major League Baseball roundup here. The AL East, you got the Red Sox continuing their their lead of the division. You got the Rays and Yankees right behind them. You got the AL Central. You have the White Sox with a nice twenty six and nineteen record. You have Cleveland right behind them. The AL West, nothing major going on. You have Oakland twenty eight and twenty. You have in the NL East the injury plagued Mets. They are making it work at twenty one and nineteen to lead the division, but all teams are just about two and a half games behind. Not a strong division. I would say the only team that is making the playoffs out of this division is going to be the division winner. You're not going to get a wild card out of here, I don't think. In the Central, you have St. Louis at their top position as usual. In the NL West, which is definitely the wild, wild West, you have San Diego holding a 30-17 and 17 record. The Dodgers now, though, since getting pool hosts, have won seven in a row and are at 29-18. and 18. Don't count out San Francisco as well. The Bay Area boys sit at 28-19. and 19. And, of course, Russ isn't here tonight, but... Again, another no-hitter in baseball. Corey Kluber for the Yankees threw the sixth no-hitter in baseball uh, against the Texas Rangers of the day. It is the first no-hitter by the Yankees since David Cohn threw a perfect game in 1999. Onto the NHL playoffs. Going into the second week now, we already have two series that are over. Colorado and Boston have both made quick work of St. Louis and Washington. Coming out of that Washington series now, I guess the big question is going to be, what does Alex Ovechkin do? He's won a cup. He's a free agent. Does he remain in Washington, or is he going to explore something else, maybe in a bigger city or a smaller city, something of personal preference, or maybe even go back to Russia? Definitely something to uh, look into and see. He is chasing the Gretzky all-time scoring record, though, for goals. I don't think he's leaving the NHL. That's just my personal opinion. The first-ever Florida rivalry between Tampa and Florida you have Tampa Bay handling the Panthers quite easy in a 3-1 lead. Carolina and Nashville tied up at two. The Penguins and Islanders, they're tied up at two as well. Vegas continues to roll. They are up 3-1 on Minnesota. And up north, you have the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. The horrible incident that happened with John Tavares and, and uh, Toronto, where now he's concussed. He's going to be out for at least two weeks. If you didn't see the replay on this, just a, a bad position he got put into on accident and definitely wasn't intentional. And we, we do hope the best for him uh, coming out of this. Also in the other Canadian series, you have Winnipeg with a three, nothing lead on Ed, on Edmonton. And that game last night was a four, one lead for Edmonton late or in the third. And you had Winnipeg come back and tie it up and then win it in overtime. I posted last night on the EAT Twitter page. You have Jack Eichel in Boston. You have, Connor McDavid in Edmonton. At what point do these two guys demand trades? And I'm sure the Eichel one is coming this offseason. But these two guys are definitely going to be demanding trades with the lack of playoff appearances for Eichel and the lack of playoff success for McDavid. Those two guys getting moved are going to be earth-shattering major moves when and if they happen. On to the NBA real quick. The New York Knicks returned to the Garden with playoff basketball last night, and it was an unbelievable, crazy environment. Trey Young is now public enemy number one in New York City, and Atlanta did win the game 107-105. Philly held the Wizards in check and won 125-18. to Brooklyn won game one against Boston, 104-93. Milwaukee took down Miami, 
with an OT thriller 109-107. Out West, you have Utah that was shocked by Memphis in Game 1. Phoenix got rid of the Lakers in Game 1. And Denver struggled against Portland. And Dallas showed dominance over the Clippers with a 113-110 win. And finally tonight, I want to address some of the Twitter back and forth that happened a few days ago. Um, I made two comments directed to Ryan Shadle on Twitter. And as everyone knows, Ryan has been on the show the first episode we had. Ryan's great. I have nothing negative to say about Ryan. Ryan is a home run. He's been 100% real with me and a lot of us from the very beginning. Ryan made two comments and some Twitter influencer who we've never mentioned, never discussed, or never cared to mention on this show sought an attack and caused unwanted and unneeded drama. Ryan posted a video of shares being retired. And I commented, great job, Ryan, the guy who isn't afraid to answer questions and keeps it real every day. Thanks for showing this to everyone involved in LTNC. Then later in the day, when I posted a tweet that the episode that we just did was now available on Spotify, someone posted on that thread asking Ryan what he thought about the LTNC segment that we did with Weirdo and Beardo. He said he thought the content, from a, stamp, from a content standpoint, he thought the segment was great. And he's not in the loop, so he's unsure about the limited exposure from Joe. He's not sure if it's intentional or not. He trusts Joe and his ability to assume that there is a strategy or something being worked on behind the scenes. And I commented back saying, thank you to Ryan. Any comment from Ryan basically complimenting the show or me personally, I'm going to address. What happened next was I guess, unintentional or taken the wrong way. And I told Ryan, it's a fact that he's been a hundred, I'm sorry, a thousand percent transparent with us. He's never limited us in terms of questions we could ask him. He's never said we can't ask him anything and he'll answer what he can answer when he was on the show. And I made a comment that I guess some people might have sent to certain Twitter influencers and the certain Twitter influencer decided to explode on Twitter and create drama that I don't think was needed between the LTNC army and my podcast and Weirdo and Beardo. And that person had no clue what she was even commenting on. And she assumed Weirdo and Beardo and the EAT podcast were all one show. And she actually called it a bootleg podcast, actually. I'll get back into that in a minute. It's true that Weirdo and Beardo have asked her about coming on their show, and they even asked about joining her Discord. She posted a picture of their private exchange. Let me tell you guys, honestly, private exchanges with that person, those photos seem to leak more often than not. Okay? Private Discord conversations between friends and family that they invite to these private chats seem to leak on Twitter, which is comical. <laughs> um, it's a bad look when that's leaked. <laughs> as far as calling Weirdo and Beardo or even this podcast, one or the other or both, a bootleg podcast, what exactly is a bootleg podcast? I want to know. Is that a Twitter live pop-up that comes out of nowhere and is basically two voices behind a black screen talking? Because as you can see, I'm on this podcast every week. I show my face. You know who I am. You know who Russ is. And you know who the guest is that we bring on. It's not an act. It's not a pump. It's not a dump. 
and it's not a joke, and it's definitely not a bootleg. Okay, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us on Twitch, you can find us on Spotify, and you can also find Weirdo and Beardo on Apple Podcasts. There's nothing about either show that is a bootleg or a pump or anything else negative. We are the real deal. We don't joke. We don't scam. We don't deal with the pretend fantasy land that you all live in, okay? And this is the last time I'm going to address this on the show like this. I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to defend my friends and other podcasts that we have involved in this show because it's the right thing to do. And if anybody who wants to attack me or them wants to come on this show and show their face and debate this with a normal conversation that doesn't end in a Twitter block like it normally does, my show is open to you and any follower you have, whether they're real or fake. And let's not get into your follower count as well, because not for nothing, in the last few days, sweetheart, your follower count is a little sus going up about 7,000 people. You haven't done anything that specific and that viral to make your follower count jump that much. Like I said, my show is open. You can come here anytime you want and discuss things with me. And I'll even bring Weirdo and Beardo on. If Joe wants to come on, the invite is open. If Ryan wants to come on, the invite is always open. And we can discuss this like normal human beings in a normal forum that doesn't end in a block and everything else that you're associated with. And that's that. Thank you very much to Blake Harris for coming on tonight. A replay of this stream will be available on Twitch and YouTube. And tomorrow it'll be uploaded to Spotify. Thank you to everybody for listening. Until next time, this is Jerry from the EAT Podcast signing off from New York. Have a great week and good night.